Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mike and Diana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H. Hi everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for the penultimate episode of Survivor Token Chains colon The Brazilian Highlands. My name is Mike Bloom, and if that voice is any indication, we are here to take the monastic approach to podcasting. We are unbent, unyielding, unbroken in our commitment to creating the stupidest Survivor podcast out there. Of course, I'm not alone on my journey here in exile. I am joined on the dune by Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. As with many episodes during our rewatch, this has just been so fun. I mean, come on. Token chains? Ain't no joke in teens. <laughs> <laughs> Best one yet. That was all about the delivery. I had no idea where that was going. Token sheens. So it's supposed to be like token sheens ain't no ain't no joke in comma teens. Like, is this being said to teens or is it saying that token sheens are not like jocular uh, adolescents? Well, it started with token sheens ain't no joke. Teens was added because it rhymes. I remember when we covered it on Survivor Historians, we turned token sheens into like token teens. Like, oh, I gotta go teach oh, those like token, token teens teen. how to not smoke. Yeah. Yes, this is actually just a dare commercial that we're going for. <laughs> like, Listen, I mean, Coach kind of has the look, especially with the beard of like a guy that would sell you some speed under a <laughs> under a interway. Yeah, his sign says tokes for teens. Uh, I think yeah. is actually what it is. I remember when Angela first uh, got into Survivor and I was having her binge a bunch of seasons. Uh, an inside joke that we had was she would constantly purposely mispronounce token cheese as token cheese just to get under my skin. And she succeeded in that regard. <laughs> what, what was your response to that? I'm just like, it's not token cheese. It's token cheese. And she just like kept digging in further and further. What would token cheese taste like? Is that like a like a soft cheese? Is that a hard yeah. cheese? I mean, I think when we're doing like the family feud, like if I'm getting a cheese plate from a stop and shop, like what's on there? It's probably like a, a like a very mild white cheddar, yellow cheddar, maybe a Swiss. 
Maybe okay. a pepper jack. Okay, yeah, great. Well, next time I go to yeah my lo- my local stop and shop, Kroger, Aldi's, whatever, just grab on that token cheese plate. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about a very cheesy episode because this really yeah. is a fond farewell to one of the biggest characters in Survivor history. Of course, one of the reasons why this was picked is because this is the Coach Wade boot episode. Of course, Coach would go on to get booted in Survivor Heroes versus Villains and go all the way in Survivor South Pacific. But before that, Coach was one of the joking teens characters that were out there in the Survivor universe. And this episode bid a fond farewell, maybe not so fond, depending on the way that you viewed him initially, to the character. So, Liana, obviously, again, as we've talked about many times, you sort of had a uh, a different approach to the way you watch the seasons uh, to try to catch up, you know, as things were going on. I'm so intrigued. What was your first take on both Token Sheens and the character of Coach, who obviously is going to be the main talking point of this episode? So I had just missed Token Sheens when I was starting to catch into Survivor and Big Brother because I sort of started watching them at the same time. Um, But I I quickly, of course, went back and started watching previous seasons. And uh, and I just remember being fascinated by Coach uh, because he was someone who was felt so delusional yet also somehow tuned in i guess at the same time like because he i mean he was able to make it so far and i think that was because at least for some of his connections that he was able to make uh with everyone else on his season Uh, but i think really this episode in particular was like you described such a, a love letter but almost a love hate letter to coach because they're willing to make fun of him so much within this episode and you can tell jeff probes i mean he is throughout the the course of the season like yeah over coach but also very interested in coach um and i I think that that definitely comes out in this episode and they spend so much time on him giving him of course the poem moment at the end during tribal council as well as just thank you very much oh yes of course the poem Uh, but (laughs) as one says of course Uh, but really the whole thing is just so much about coach as as a character on survivor and that was really uncharacteristic for the time. You know, I think that maybe the closest equivalent up to that point had been Sugar in Gabon in terms of like the advent of one character really taking narrative focus and making so much of the edit about them. Mm-hmm. To go back to your point about like what Jeff thought about it. Jeff, I remember at the time he uh, ended up doing blogs for Entertainment Weekly after every week, actually in the style of one of the Token Sheets cast members, Stephen Fishback. And Jeff loved coach he absolutely adored coach wade and i feel like maybe the difference between coach and someone like a judd Sargent, for example from survivor guatemala is that i feel like coach was not like antagonistic towards production like a judd or a shane powers that you know still made him entertaining from our perspective but actually interacting with him was a tough time it seemed like coach was maybe even overly respectful and in admiration and awe of what they do, considering how much it goes into the honor of the battle that is Survivor. But that was not what the audience felt at the time. I remember, and I was part of it, admittedly, that the the first time I watched Coach on season 18, I was channeling Aaron Lobdell. We were all asking, who is this jackass? He was such just a pompous a-hole and it admittedly took me a little while to like come around and see that the humor came from the fact that like 
he was so over the top yes. and the editors knew that and they were staring into the curb. It wasn't necessarily that like, oh, we're really just showing how much of an asshole this guy can be. It's no, no, no. Look at the stuff this guy is giving us. We need to pump it up to the biggest extreme. And to your point, it really comes full force in this episode. I think that is 100% on the money, because when you talk about this episode, the shots of him on Exile Island or, you know, wherever exile with his arms outstretched, of course, like a gift that has permeated through time to today, you know, that we see him lying in the shallow water, just, of course, meditating in exile. You know, these are the shots, the moments that production must have been like, is, can you believe this guy? Like, yeah. is this guy for real? This is gold. We have TV gold here. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. And I think this episode is entirely made like you said coach provides a lot of material but i feel like the kudos for this episode honestly should lie on the editors yes because there is so much incredible stuff done uh from you know like you mentioned the, the establishing shot of coach on exile when he's lying in the water that flat out looks like he's dead mm -hmm. for a second that coach because the last time we see coach go to exile he's like I'm going to do this. I'm going to be such a great person. Take the monastic approach, unbending, unyielding, unbroken. And then cut to next time he looks dead in the water, quite literally. It's just, it's something that makes me laugh every time. There's so many great musical moments. Like, I was obsessed with the music this episode between, like, I feel like they used all their mythical, mystical music cues for a lot of this because of how much coaches connected with his inner Native American, uh, or even like, the epic DS E-Ray music that gets brought in when coach has his final stand during the immunity challenge. It felt like they did overtime to just embellish coach somehow even more in the course of this episode. And I have so much appreciation for what they did. I think the first moment that I recognized the music was when he goes to exile and he's like walking slowly up that sand dune. And there's this swelling music that just is like, pushing him onward like he truly is that you know that martyr that he is taking this noble approach and when you put the visual with the music like the music is like telling this super grand story and he's just like slowly like limping up the sand dune it's hilarious there's so many moments of i don't know intentional or unintentional comedy in this episode and of course it all centers around i think the editing of coach as a character on this episode well even before that musical cue that you mentioned because obviously like coach coach's trip to exile island will forever and always be the best ever trip that's made to like an exile island or exile dune or or hero arena or whatever because again it's so fantastically over the top but I remember one of the first things from this episode is, you know, we start the episode and in true coach fashion, you know, Steven and JT reveal like, no, Debbie was going after you. And coach says like, wow, you know, they were able to mount a counterattack to protect me. I have the best friends in the entire world. The next day, you know, you have this great moment that coach even admits to of him kind of like wussing out of going to exile when he starts complaining about his afflictions and they play in the background a sad piano music that you hear a, a snatch of other times in Survivor history. And it's usually for very sad moments. It's usually like, I think I, I heard like a similar thing when like Jenna Maraska announced that her, she was leaving to, to go visit her dying mother. You know, it's usually for much more saccharine dour situations. 
And this is from Coach being like, I just sat near that fire and it felt like I inhaled 20 cigars. You can't send me to exile. And again, it's just, they're really staring into the curve on this. And I appreciated every second of even like the weird wah-wah guitar of JT getting in the shower. <laughs> the shower like, there's, yeah. so, there's so much little stuff in this episode that really makes it an all-timer, in my opinion. Oh my God, Mike, that shower moment sent me that was so funny at the reward when uh it was like I, I i don't even know how it i would describe the music like the first thing that pops into my head is like it's a little porny kind of oh, it's, music. A, it's very porny oh, okay. especially okay, with good. like the bromance of the season right they're going on like their overnight spa date a bit yeah yes exactly right so but yeah they're going off they're getting their overnight vacation they get to take the the private plane for the first time uh to you the know, governor's mansion life. where according to jt they probably had a few parties yes yeah right get to have some brazilian barbecue their very own meat festival which again if you're going porn like yeah i've seen that uh that title before somewhere <laughs> yeah exactly i uh, also loved it that rewards i'm assuming we're not going to talk about it much because again it's a lot of coach uh jt tells them felice navidad which <laughs> i couldn't remember when this season filmed i'm gonna have to look it up right now because for all we know because i do remember there was a time when they did film those even-numbered seasons uh, in the... Uh, well, actually, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, so it, this, it, this filmed November 2nd to December 10th. So maybe JT was wishing them an early Christmas, or maybe that was literally the only Spanish-slash-Portuguese he knew, and he decided to say Merry Christmas to the person serving him barbecue in late November. <laughs> I mean... I mean, at least it's better than like what mid June or something. Yeah, like that. or or like uh, on the Amazing Race, we see all the time that when people are are in definitively non Spanish speaking countries, they decide to use on delay for some reason. Right, because yeah, that's the phrase you want to go with. I guess Feliz Navidad is that is that better or worse? I can't decide. Yeah, I don't know, but I also don't know like why I would say that to someone serving me food. Right, like oh, thank you, Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's a I'm great point. Unless unless maybe JT was one of those people that just loves to celebrate Christmas early. He's like a Christmas diehard, and that just makes him even more lovable and why everyone voted for him in the end. That's right. Christmas in July, baby. It's so interesting also to, you know, I think Token Sheens, I think Token Sheens is a solid season. I know a lot of people put it at, like, the top of people's list as to, like, what to show people as one of their first Survivor seasons when getting them into it. I think it's a very solid season. I think, luckily, it's a season that's not really moored by a myriad of twists like there are idols but none of them get played mm -hmm. you know there's no swap it's 16 players exiles put in there but it's used you know uh not necessarily to a big strategic effect but i think the the reputation this season has is that it, it's very quote-unquote top heavy in its memorability and that obviously it's a season with coach tyson jt and steven and those are the only four people from the season who are going to be called back which is unfortunate because i feel like taj has been robbed of a spot many many times uh, but in it's it's weird to see like little baby Steven Fishback, especially when he's doing his weird like golem crouch. Did you notice that in the beginning of the episode, Liana, when he's like crouched by the fire and for some reason he doesn't want his butt to touch the ground? This was Cambodia Steven. Like for some reason, I feel like Cambodia Steven is very flexible in a weird way. Like he does mm. the golem crouch because I remember Steven from the beginning of the season and he looks nothing like Steven 
by the end and also like the Steven that I know today. Um, yeah. But yes, I, I did notice that. And then JT is like sitting so normally <laughs> like uh, like people typically sit. I don't know what he was sitting on, like a log or something like that. Whereas, uh, yeah, Steven is doing his best golem crouch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I don't know if he like maybe the ground's wet or maybe he feels like this is like I could see Steven be like, actually, from a posture perspective, since the Neanderthals, uh, you know, walk this way, sort of like how the squatty potty has that mentality of like, well, actually, you want your feet to be brought up to get your uh, body in the right position to create the least amount of exertion. Oh, I 100% believe that. So there, there's like a pose in yoga where you're crouching just like that. And you best believe that is challenging to do. So, but, but it's like, oh, this is a pose that our ancestors could easily do because they would be doing work like, you know, I, I don't know. They mm. like didn't like sit down or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, obviously yeah, I our ancestors I, I'm never sure they, sat. They didn't invent the chairs until a certain point. So like, what could they sit on? They could, they could just never sit. So, uh, so yeah, we know from, you know archaeological digs and bones and whatnot they never sat down no um but yeah but this was like him just tapping into that that mentality i wonder if coach like encouraged him to do it like we will all live as the ancients once did jt please start fashioning spears steven i don't want you sitting ever (laughs) yeah when the dragon slayer makes his dragon cane ye shall no longer sit (laughs) The dra- so, so a few weeks ago, we obviously looked at the infamous effing stick from Survivor Micronesia. Does the dragon cane, like, how close is it in the family tree, literal tree, to the effing stick in terms of craftsmanship? Well, I was going to say it's got to be some sort of, like, grandfather, just because it's bigger. But yet it did happen later in terms of, like, the timeline of Survivor. But I, so I remember it being, like, well, um... I was going to say well-shaved. I don't know if that's, like, the appropriate Ooh, Well-shorn, yes. Well-whittled. You know, like, whittled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember it being smooth. But when he first finds the stick, it's still got all the, like, bark on top of it. Um, and that was not the version I remember. But if we're talking about the version that is that is whittled, um, then definitely they're totally related. Like, they even look the same. Like, if you put a little face on the dragon cane, then hands down they're related. Yeah, I think that my favorite thing about the dragon cane that I didn't notice until this time around was the wisp of hair. It's like a little bit of like, I, I, I don't again, I don't think Kocha fashioned the hair onto it, but I guess it was sort of left over. But outside of the snout, there's like a little tuft of like wood left over that kind of makes it look like it has like a greaser haircut. And so that's what I imagined Coach's dragon cane to be like, were it to come alive, uh, if you like stomped it on the ground or something. It would become a greaser. <laughs> it become a greaser dragon. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll have to work on my imagination, like envisioning what that would look like. Hey, princess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's something that Coach could come up with. I, I would believe that. I mean, he sort of has the greaser hairdo a bit as well, right? With the ponytail, the Steven Seagal haircut, as I think he's called in one of these episodes. Yeah, that's true. He really does have that. With like, because is it okay? So ask me, is it is it slicked back? Is that what it is? Because I wouldn't think it, it, like it's I don't both, know. It's both slicked back and pulled back uh, as well. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it like because it, sometimes it feels like he just like pushes it back and it's like slicked back, but he never like pins it. But at the same time, like come on, it's not like you have hair products out there, unless that's something that his uh, his greaser <laughs> uh, dragon cane <laughs> bring to him. Well, no, I believe actually there's a really fun moment, really fun small moment from Token Sheens where 
uh, that says everything about what Coach does, where Brendan brings back a tree mail that has like a band around it, and he goes like, tree mail, everyone, Coach, your hair band, and Coach just takes it and ties his hair back with it. So Coach was truly living off the land, quote-unquote, on Survivor Token Sheens by saying, you know what, some people... Bob Crowley used some production supplies to create a, a fake immunity idol. Coach used production supplies to make his hair straight. I mean, if you're going for the Steven Seagal look, like you got to do what you got to do. I suppose so. Well, let's start getting into this episode here, Liana, with our first game. This is from the great Sarah from Sydney, who has just been batting a thousand with uh, all these games from these episodes. And it is no different here. Liana, it's time to get colorful. Now, Coach is a is a colorful character. The Brazilian highlands are full of colors themselves between the verdant greens of the jungles and the, uh, the harsh browns of the dune in which Coach almost died. So Sarah has posed a bunch of different color-based questions here, and we're going to see how many you can get and see how closely you were paying to this episode. Okay, so I have no concept of what a color-based question entails. That being said, I am 100% game for this. This is the freaking life. Throw me in, coach. All right. uh, Call me Benjamin, please. Uh, All right, here we (laughs) go. At the reward challenge, Liana, who wore the green headband? So if you remember, they they denote colors for people in reward challenges. I think there was a a black, a red, a green, a blue, and a yellow in this one. Who wore the green bandana? Okay, so to answer your earlier question of how close was how close of attention was I paying, the answer is apparently not very yeah, much. Yeah, Kelly Kim, Kelly Clip Kim of no, not really. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay, so this was during the reward challenge, and this was oh my god, who had what color? Um, I am gonna go with JT. Shot in the dark hit. That is correct. JT wore the green headband, and uh, he will be seeing a lot of green soon enough when he wins the money. 500,000 Benjamins with his face on him, baby. Oh, no. The the, the streams are connecting now. Uh, (laughs) It's also crazy to think about that JT wins both challenges in this episode and will win both challenges in the finale. Like, JT's going to win all the challenges in the last two episodes. Uh, Does he really win all of them? He wins the last two immunity challenges as well. So he, and that's the big argument as well. It was like, you know, oh, you know, should Steven have gotten rid of JT? But there was also a scenario where like Steven couldn't have gotten rid of JT because he won the last three immunity challenges. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, Which then, I mean, then he would have had to have gotten rid of him earlier. But then, of course, like that jeopardizes so much. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think also JT, also JT got invited on either one or got invited on every reward of the season. So like, crazy season for jt he's seeing green in so many ways liana well well, no i was just gonna say like i know taryn's been doing the whole legacy watch thing blah 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 whatever but like jt is such a fascinating one for me especially because now like it's been a long time watching his like we're watching him in reverse order too because we watched his folly in heroes versus villains two weeks ago now we're watching him play you know his definite best and arguably one of the best games of all time in token sheets well that and mike i had watched the um uh, his moment in Game Changers with the coffee, like sugar interaction, oh, right. whatever, which was, you know, I mean, obviously he gets booted, booted not long after that. So that it was like watching JT being just such a terrible player for like two <laughs> weeks and then being like, 
oh my god he's amazing <laughs> in this season you know um which again of course editing is a part of it but like to see jt play like jt 1.0 is just wow fantastic so liana what color was the hat that jeff probes was wearing in this episode i'll give you a hint they were two colors so do i have to name both colors or do i just have to name one color I'll I'll say if you can name one color, I'll give you the point. And I'll give you a bonus point if you can name the other. Uh, okay. I feel like sometimes his caps, like the front part is a color and then the other part is something not a color. Well, not not, not a color, but like it's like a neutral. <laughs> it's like a gray or like a brown mm-hmm. or, you know, like one of those. So I'm going to go with black. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Jeff's cap was green and white. Uh, you were right that like he sort of has the two-tone hat thing going on, but the one sort of base color was white, and there uh, were panels of green below it. I think it had the Survivor logo on it, too. Uh, his Tommy two-tone hat. Terrible. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I think this is uh, this is when Jeff was still sort of like experimenting with wardrobe because they kept changing locations. So like we're still mm-hmm. in, an, in an era where he's really trying things out of, out of his uh, wardrobe. Do you remember when Jeff became producer for the show? It was around this time, actually, I believe. Because that, so I, I was just, I was thinking about his fascination with Coach. And like, because I feel like he's always so frustrated with Coach as a host. But I feel like Coach as a player, from a producer perspective, is someone who you absolutely want. So I wonder if there's like something with like, oh, Jeff looking at it from two different perspectives of like, oh, this is why I appreciate coach so much um but i you know i don't know yeah it's an interesting thing to think about i'm trying to remember i do feel like around like this 17 18 19 period was when he ended up becoming producer and more of a you know sort of taking the realm of the the helm of showrunner so maybe to your point it, it was less so about him you know dealing with coach in person as much as you know him hyping up coach to everybody else I'm like you guys can't can't believe this like this guy's this, this guy's unreal can you believe what he's going through because and this is also uh two seasons before coach will flip him off when he yells at coach during that challenge in heroes versus villains that's right that's oh that's such a great moment too oh too many good moments in survivor all right next question here liana what color was the sweater that steven had tied around his waist <laughs> Oh my god. Um, was this when he was doing the Gollum crouch or was this before that? Or I, after I think that? he sort of wears it habitually throughout the episode. You see like a sweater uh, or, you know, Sarah calls it a jumper that he has tied around his waist like he's, you know, uh, doing a college catalog cover from the mid-90s. I'm gonna go with brown. I'm sorry, it might have been brown after some severe gastrointestinal distress, but no, it is red uh, in line with his old tribe, Jalapau. Oh, duh. Yeah, okay. Darn, I should have just shot that. Okay, all right. Uh That's all right. I got the next one. Who was wearing an orange t-shirt this episode? Uh, It's like the fallen comrades when Jeff Probst holds up a person's hand and says, whose is this? Yeah. um, I'm pretty sure... Taj was wearing an orange t-shirt that is correct yes Yes. you called your shot so the thing was is that it's actually a pretty fresh orange shirt because I don't know if you remember this Liana but the last episode was the auction and Taj had won the right to spend an overnight on exile with Eddie George oh Uh, yes or I think that maybe that was two episodes ago and so Eddie George 
much like uh, HB gave Sari his shirt a couple of seasons beforehand, uh, she he gave her his big orange T-shirt that she proceeded to wear the rest of the time. Okay, yes, it's coming back to me now. I remember it's like super oversized on her, and I remember thinking, oh, that's such a cute look. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she does the cute thing where she like ties it off at the yes. bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like kind of like pulled to the side or something like that, I think. And so it looked very stylish. All right, Liana, let's go to the governor's retreat to perhaps have a party. At the governor's retreat, what color were the hammocks? There are three of them. I'm going to have you try to guess two. Is twine a color? No, that's a material. <laughs> I know. I feel like saying, like, oh, that's very cotton colored. <laughs> you know, cotton. Um, oh, my God. I'm trying to even remember if they were ham. Well, OK, I'm just going to go with brown, right? Like one of them's got to be brown. Nope. <laughs> what? Liana, this is the governor's retreat, the parte capital of Brazil. This it was green, red, and yellow. Of course. Oh, duh! Of course, of course. Wait, was were the like the I don't know what to call them the the twine bits were those colored? I can't remember. I believe that they're talking about like the 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 canopies themselves of, on the hammocks. Oh, okay, okay, all right, sure. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right. Next up, staying at the governor's retreat, what color were the male servers' shirts that went out uh, providing the barbecue? Oh, okay. I think I actually remember this because I remember thinking that they were very bright. They're bright green. That is correct. Yes, maybe that's why uh, JT thought Felice Navi dotted because green was out in full force. We also saw the red, you know, so it was just all very confusing. Yeah. (laughs) Just saw Christmas the entire time. All right, Liana. In the immunity challenge, of course, we always get like a dream teamer showing off what the challenge is all about, as Jeff explains it. So in this immunity challenge, what color were the walls on the one panel that the dream teamer was showing off on? Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so I definitely was paying attention to the walls and not the Dream tell. Teamer's abs, for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go... You know what? Let's stay on the green train. I'm going to go with the green. Uh, unfortunately, it is yellow. 
As in, some might argue Coach was yellow for pretending he had a back spasm and folding out of the challenge. Well, technically, blue plus yellow equals green. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. I, I guess you get partial credit for including <laughs> one element. No, wait. Yellow's not even. But I guess you. Yeah, I guess it counts because you're saying like. So and according to your logic. If you said the answer was four and the answer was two, you'd say, well, two plus two is four. So therefore, I'm right. Hooray! <laughs> Math. Math. That's how <laughs> logic works, right? Liana, at Tribal Council, what color were Taj's bra straps underneath that big orange shirt? Oh, um, okay. I think I think she has a red bra. Like, I don't remember if it's in this episode, but I remember her very, having like a very bright red bra. Yes, to loosely quote The Shining, red bra. That is correct. <laughs> red bra, red bra. <laughs> That's that that different version of The Shining that I saw right after Meat Festival on a certain double feature. Ayo. <laughs> All right, final question, Liana. Let's go over to the jury here, who were, surprise, surprise, not very amused with Coach's final antics. Of the four jury members, who is sporting a very fetching lemon yellow t-shirt? Now, that does feel like a very Tyson kind of thing to do, um, to wear, like, something very bright. Um, uh, shoot. But you know what? I feel like... Oh, my God. I have no idea. I think... Okay, you know what? I'm going to go with Tyson... But can I have a second answer for half a point of Debbie? Because I feel like when Debbie came out, she was like, she was like mad, but she also looked very like she she was like wearing. OK, oh, change my answer. Debbie, I'm going Debbie. And I feel like she had a really big necklace on as well. I don't know if that counts. You talked yourself out of the correct answer. No! It was Tyson. Oh my God, no. <laughs> you, you, I literally saw a Mandela effect manifest itself in real time as you being like, no, it wasn't. It was Tyson. No, wait, it wasn't Tyson. It was Debbie. It couldn't have been Tyson. <laughs> because I, rem like, I remember Debbie coming out wearing something very vibrant. I'm going to have to go she, back. She and wore look. a lot of like golden jewelry. I think maybe that's what you're thinking of. Oh, I might have flip flopped them. Yes, because I was very taken with the jewelry aspect. <laughs> Darn, shucks. Okay, well, I was close. Yeah, you got. I think it's. I think you got about half the answers correct. I believe. Which again, considering this is a pretty granular quiz that Sarah put out here, I'm going to call this a success. Though I think to your point, if it, I think if it were a failure, you'd be like, well, a failure is uh not enough successes, so therefore it's a success just because it's a part of the whole. Yeah, I understood none of that, but I'm going to call this a success. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, lots of lots of uh, big, bright colors in this episode, including Tyson's lemon yellow tea that maybe it was from Debbie's wardrobe and Tyson just decided to wear that. I feel like that would be something that especially Tyson 1.0 would do. Ugh, Tyson 1.0 is such a fantastic. I mean, you know, Tyson, of course, is still like absolutely wonderful. But like being introduced to Tyson for the very first time, especially when he puts the immunity necklace, which in this season is absolutely gorgeous, by the oh, way. Yeah, the, like the, 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 feather, the feather necklace. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so pretty. But when he puts it up as like that headdress and like wears it into travel council, like a little a-hole. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I'll be complete. I don't know if this is a hot take. Uh, I my favorite Tyson, I think, is Tyson 1.0, uh, just from like a character perspective, because he is such an unfiltered, unmitigated asshole mm -hmm. the entire time to the point where he's saying, you know, like, I love to blindside people and make them cry and watch their dreams be crushed. Like he is so over preening a 
It makes his ep- his boot episode arguably one of the highlights of the season because it's just so much fun to watch. And B, he just like is having so much fun out there between like the naked dancing, between uh the challenge. Remember the challenge when they had to throw the ceramic pigs? The pigs and he's like smashing them yeah, in and, the background. And, and as his tribe wins, he literally says, I want to smash them and runs over <laughs> and just starts throwing the other pigs <laughs> on the ground in celebration. Like this is Tyson embracing. Tyson's always sort of been like a kid at heart. Uh, even in his his parental age, but I I feel like this was when he was most that way in his first season. Oh, it's so fabulous! And the, his so his boot episode, which you mentioned, there is a video. I'm pretty sure it's still online. It's on YouTube, but it's him giving commentary to his own boot episode, and it's hilarious because you get him like in the actual episode like you know he's like winking at people and he's like doing his whole thing it's just a a truly uh cinematic moment that will live in infamy that is incredible uh i'm i'm sad the one uh i think thing missing from this episode because again we had like if we're talking about the quote-unquote big four of token sheens the only person missing was tyson though i guess he was there in the form of a very loud shirt very loud yellow shirt which we have learned thank you thank you okay well i so okay so i have a question so you asked me about um what bandana color jt was wearing during the reward challenge which we now know is green but jeff probst also i think said a pretty funny thing during the reward challenge which was that this is like follow the leader which for some reason got me fascinated with like children's games and somehow Mm. trying to figure out what other children's games we could make into survivor challenges because you know look it's it's we're in a challenging time when it comes to creating television sometimes we might not be able to build these large sets of these big challenges we might have to revert back to a simpler time for example children's games so things like tag things like marco polo Mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask you could we come up with some ideas for good children's games that would work as survivor challenges like would duck duck goose for example translate Mm. to a survivor challenge but i think i guess the question is with duck duck goose would it be a matter of like once you get tagged you have to like do something you know because i feel like you'd have to the the other the, the thing would be you'd have to create something that adds more of an extreme intense element to it not like ultimate tag now playing on fox but maybe something that like you know gives adults an additional challenge i was thinking maybe something along the lines of like uh a jeff probst mother may i so I feel mm. like if people are accusing Jeff Probst of favoritism, like that's going to show r- right out right there. They're like, uh, you know, Jeff, may I take four big steps? No, you may not. But this big alpha male may take 10 large steps over to me. Yeah, I don't know how well uh, how well that would work. And I think um, what like Red Rover, right? The one where you like hold hands and you like yeah. run through the hands. That one also might not survive in t- today's yeah, well, climate. Well, yeah, and I think they've been trying to, you know, get rid of. I mean, that was the whole Schmerg and Brawl deal, right? Was they got rid of those challenges that really injured people. I want to feel like a game where you're supposed to like, you know, uh, clothesline people on the opposite tribe with grown adults is not going to do really well. How about what about uh, though if if Jeff probes instead of uh, adjudicating Mother May I does red light green light instead? 
So that could work, right? Because then, you know, theoretically, like he's unbiased. He doesn't know when people are running, right? Because, you know, green light go, everybody starts running and then, you know, they have to stop when it's red light stop. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking of, too, is I know, you know, they did the the classic bocce ball challenge, right? When Jeff Probst didn't even bother to show up. Yep. Uh, what about like horseshoes or something in a similar vein? Yeah, I think some maybe something that you would like. Maybe like uh, I'm surprised we haven't seen like a cornhole. Like I feel like this season we had uh, the tossing the beanbags onto the tiles, which is probably the closest thing. But other than that, I feel like we've have sort of strayed away from doing those sort of backyard games as of late, which is weird because like Big Brother has now done the same thing of like even that they do backyard games, they're amping it up with ridiculous production values. Mike, dodgeball. Oh, Survivor Edition. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Survivor Dodgeball needs to be a thing. Look, it had its big craze in the mid 2000s, right? With the movie Dodgeball, a true underdog story. I'm sure we all watched on GSN the real life dodgeball tournament that did indeed occur. Like, there are rules to this, there is competition, but it's not like exactly dependent on athletic prowess. Like, I, I think this is a an incredibly perfect thing to put in the next survival season. I, that would be fantastic. Also, you know, the two sides are going to be six feet apart, right? So, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if that fits. So now the thing is, do you use like red rubber playground balls or do you use like, do you, you try to like gussy up? <laughs> yeah, like maybe, or yeah, I guess, I guess coconuts uh, or try to like gussy up a, a ball to make it look native enough or make it look like a coconut, a giant coconut. Yeah, I think that's probably what they would do, right? Like you put some sort of, um, you could put like a coating over it or, you know, cover of some sort. Um, I think the coconuts would be a little challenging. Might, you know, again, if we're trying to lean away from challenges that in, inherently injure the participants, we might not want to have people hucking coconuts at one another. Mm -mm -mm. I like this, though, because what this does is present you with a choice because you can either, when you receive a coconut, throw it at your opponents, or you could cut it open and drink it up. Once you do, that coconut's removed from play. So, like, what are you going to pride? Your own health? Or are you going to gun for the win? Yeah, but what happens when you use up all the coconuts? Like, well, what if people drink all the coconuts? Is there, like, a, an infinite replenishing supply of coconuts? I'm so assuming at Fiji at this point, especially if they're taking some time off of Survivor that they'll replenish at a certain point. You know, that's another, uh, not to be too uh, too much on a tangent, but if we're talking about the deforestation of Fiji, like, thank goodness, we're getting a little bit of a break. Let's get these uh, trees and coconuts yeah. out there growing again. Let's make things grow. Can I actually, I'm, I'll tie my question uh, for this week into the reward challenge as well, because I was interestingly tickled at this idea that Jeff introduces this challenge, right? Like, go through this pretty impressive survivor maze and then, you know, uh, grab the, the key with your pole mm -hmm. being long enough and strong enough and knock down three little poles to raise your flag. And then he says, oh, and one more thing, your ankles are going to be shackled together, which just seems like the most random obstacle to me. And I remember there was a period of time when like this would happen, but it just seems so odd to me. And it was such a weird image to have these people sort of like 
do a little boot scoot through an entire <laughs> maze of like shuffling their feet because they can't move their legs very far apart. I literally wrote, OMG, the running is hilarious because of exactly what you're saying. This like shuffle through the maze. <laughs> so they're just like, because they get right. I mean, obviously they're shackled together, so they can only move probably like I would say maybe one foot apart, like right. as they're like shuffling through this maze. <laughs> it just felt, yeah, like if you're talking about obstacles that you want to introduce to the players to help you know make it a little bit more challenging like really you're gonna make them just like shuffle around that being said survivor is also the show that has given us the fantastic worm challenge i was gonna say like <laughs> i didn't realize i think we all felt the worm challenge came out of nowhere we didn't realize the seeds had been planted years ago of them doing this of just like embarrassing the players i'm just so weirded out because like a maze is enough Right? To figure out, like, okay, I gotta work my way through a maze. You don't need to, like, add an extra physical stipulation to make these horrible people have to suffer more. I just have this this theory that, like, they ran it with a dream team, and they were like, mm, we had someone run it in two minutes. Nah, that's, that's, you know, that's too fast. We need this to take a little bit longer. How do we just slow them down? Well, we could put obstacles, you know, in the way of the maze. Ah, that would take too much work. How about we just tie their feet together like we've tied their shoestrings together? And we'll go with that. Oh, Do you think, so that, I mean, they could have they could have just blindfolded them. That's what I thought for a second, because I thought I saw the maze and that the the maze walls, for some reason, went up to like to like a uh, chest height, which I guess makes sense if you're trying to like get an overall lay of the land. But I thought that was a very curious height to the maze until I realized that like, oh, uh, if you were blindfolded, you could very easily feel along the rails and that would help. Maybe they should have just done the full thing and like, I don't know, have them uh, shackle one arm to one of their legs to make it like extremely awkward. And they're essentially hopping on one foot or stumbling all over themselves the entire time. Wait, so how, how, like, what's the distance of the shackle? You know what I mean? Like, if, you, if you're going to have your right, like, let's say your right arm is tethered to your right leg, I assume. Mm -hmm. Like, is it, do you have one foot of distance? Do you have two feet of distance? All right, so here's, here's what it is. We're going to take, we'll do two shackles, right arm to right leg, left arm to left leg, and there'll be, uh, there'll be two feet. So now you're essentially your own puppeteer, right? You're controlling how your legs move with your arms. Good luck. Okay, so I've, so, you know, obviously no one can see this, but I've stood up and I'm trying to hold my hands about two feet from my legs. And this would be even more comical, I believe. <laughs> like, because I have to like lift my arms as I lift my legs and I can't exactly. really lift them like forward because I would fall over. So I have to like lift them to the side. Maybe this is what Steven was training for with his squatting. Like, he knew there would be a challenge like this coming up. It just wasn't as extreme as he wanted it to be. I mean, that's exactly the motion. I'm, like, squatted down trying to, like, keep my arms within the two feet of my legs. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I'd, I personally would rather have this than the worm. The worm just feels so painful to everyone involved. Like, people talk about, oh, I, you know, I, I love the beach, but, like, I really don't like the sand. This is, like, that times a thousand, because literally take your face and shove it in the sand and then yeah. wiggle through the sand with your face in that sand. Exactly. And and use your your face primarily to make your way through the sand yes. as well. <laughs> yeah, to dig your way to where you need to go. You can't use your arms. You really are just flopping down through it. Oh, what a disaster. Yeah. So maybe they'll take a step up and just, you know, do the do the puppeteer of chaining your arms to your legs. That might be a nice step up. <laughs> 
That's right. Send it to Samoa. We got some ideas for you. We have dodgeball and chain your arms to your legs <laughs> and waddle through a maze. That's what we've come up with. Listen, there, we're, we're making time. We're doing some effort here in the Survivor offseason. Everyone's sitting on their duffs, and we're here bringing some ideas to John Kierhofer and the yeah, team. Exactly. What else are y'all doing? Like, we're bringing some great ideas. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of great ideas. So, of course, I was inspired by what did you call it? The co- poem, poem, poem? Oh, the, the Pomans. Pomans. Yes, of course. Uh, so, you know, I had to think about, you know, I got to come up with a game inspired by this. And it was this poem plus so many other fantastic coach quotes, which the one about like when a woman sees a boulder drop, when men drop a pebble, like so many like weird antiquated but also just fantastic quotes (laughs) and literally him quoting other people right this is where he quotes marcus aurelius though i believe it's been founded after the Mm -hmm. fact that i don't think that is an actual quote from marcus aurelius he quotes mark twain in tribal council so like he clearly is trying to be that that book of motivational sayings that you buy when you feel really down or you turn into like a, a, cal- a desk calendar that you give to that acquaintance for Christmas. Holy I was going to the like quote a day type calendar. Exactly. All right. Well, well, what I've done is I have pulled a bunch of coach quotes from his Twitter. OK, because I had to make it at least a little bit more challenging for you, Mike. But what you're going to be trying to do is you're going to try to guess is this quote said by coach on his twitter or dr seuss oh lord why not (laughs) this should absolutely be the comparison that we need to make today and i am just i I, like i have no idea how this is gonna go you may do fantastic and you may be able to suss out exactly you know which quote is which but I don't know how it's going to go. So let's just go ahead yeah, and dig on in to this bizarre game that uh, that I have created. So your first quote is, Only the sage warrior will be able to see clearly the plight of the unworthy in the final chapter. I don't even know what that means. Uh, no one does. I guess, it's I guess that means that like the, the most sage warriors have the clearest eyes to see ahead of them. So considering how, like, I think that the the key thing to decipher with Coach is, like, if the quote is meant to compliment himself, then it's Coach. So if it's more about, like, a first person than a third person, then that feels like it's going to be Coach. So I'm going to go with Coach here. That is correct. Yes. Uh, and the Sage Warrior comment also, you know, I feel like he's, like, the type of guy who talks about that kind of stuff. All right. How about this next quote? If there is a silver lining, it is this. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Ooh. See, I would say Dr. Seuss, but I feel like Coach may, maybe he said this when his assistant coach visited last episode and like he lost his family member. He's like, well, there's a silver lining. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. But I'm going to say that that sentence structure feels Seussian to me. So I'm going to go with Theodore Geisel, alias Dr. Seuss. Well, much like me talking my way out of Tyson wearing a yellow shirt. Uh, unfortunately, this was a coach quote. <gasps> wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe he was talking about his family uh, in this instance. Uh, all right. How about quote number three? Fantasy is a necessary ingredient in life. It is a way of looking at life through the wrong end of a telescope. 
That is Dr. Seuss because Coach would never admit that he's living in a fantasy. That is 100% true. <laughs> yes, that is indeed a Dr. Seuss quote. No, Coach would insist like, no, there's no wrong side of the telescope. The telescope is one hollow tube of all the same size. And I'm looking through it at all angles. And also I discovered that planet that we're looking at. Yeah, right. And uh, and it was when I was visiting the tribe in the Amazon that they showed me the ways of the distant planet. Yes, I was the I was going to be the first to kayak to Mars, but I wasn't able to to make it past the psych evaluation. No, I heard it was his asthma. Actually, oh, like. no. Yeah, it's his back's been acting up. He has herniated discs. Yeah. All right. Your next quote is. He who makes a beast out of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. Ooh, he who makes a beast out of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. This sounds like the plot of the movie The Fly. Who would want to make themselves a beast? So I guess is the question that like if you become too bestial, you lose your humanity. I feel like that's something, I feel like that's a Dr. Seuss thing. I feel like that's a moral that he would put in one of his books. That is correct, Mike. You are three for four. You're doing a fantastic job in this <laughs> quiz. I'm very impressed. Do you remember what, what did he put? Is that like a general quote or did he put that in one of his books? Okay, so uh, if you are wondering where I got these quotes from, it is like quotes.com or something like yes. that. So also could be 100% false in the same way that, you know, coach is incorrectly quoting other people. I may also be incorrectly quoting Dr. <laughs> because, Mike, I couldn't pick ones. Because, okay, so look, I had to get past the like fifth, sixth page because they're all like the Lorax quotes. <laughs> like, of course, yeah, exactly. I can't pull anything that anyone would know. So, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We can make some sort of fun story up regarding that quote all right your next quote is sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple Ooh, oh, i feel like that's something coach would say as a smart ass response to jeff probst the questions are complicated and the answers are simple unless i mix those up did i mix them up uh, the questions are complicated and the answers are simple I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Coach here. I'm sorry, that was Dr. Seuss. Not wow. sure the context, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can find, I mean, redfish, bluefish. Complicated or simple? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It is a, I think it's a complicated concept because you have to understand like the myriad species of fish. And but once you like if you're just told to discern what's a redfish or even what are two fish, then that's a much simpler answer. Mm, yes. Well, you know, you can ask your one year old. You might actually have a better answer than us. <laughs> OK, your next quote is evil never sleeps. Fight the good fight. Oh, I feel like that's this coach. He has this is probably him saying it about like Aaron or Sierra or Brendan, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good coach quote there. Uh, okay, so Mike, you are still doing a great job. Four out of six, correct. Your next quote is, you know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. Oh, weird. I, I don't know if that's coach because that sounds too like idyllic for coach. I feel like coach was too much of like an honorable man to truly talk about when things were good. He felt like it constantly had to be like working to against the odds to better himself. So I'm going to say that's Dr. Seuss. 
That is correct, Mike. Yes, that quote was indeed from Dr. Seuss. All right, we got a few more quotes left. Let's see if you can continue to do a great job. Your next quote is, you have to overcome the fear and anger inside you. Let a bright light shine in and melt the coldness of your heart. That's what being tough is all about. Whoa, did you grab a quote from the next episode of Tough as Nails? I called Phil. He was like, Liana, I got some Kiwi phrases for you as well as some other quotes. Yeah, that's what it means to let those what the let the sun in and melt your cold heart. Yes. <laughs> See that again, that feels like a very pointed criticism of somebody, but I don't know if you put that in to trick me. So I'm gonna say it's Dr. Seuss. That was coach. Yeah. Really? Um, Who is he mm-hmm. saying that about? Again, no idea. (laughs) Uh, So you're welcome for really putting some context (laughs) to all of these quotes. Um, So most of these I did pull from his Twitter, which they were comments about like seasons that he was talking about. But he did have some that were just sort of like random thoughts. Um, But anyway, okay, all right. So we got two left. So your next quote is vision without action is just a dream action without vision just passes the time and vision with action can change the world this is rock paper scissors bullshit going on right now <laughs> i don't want to do math <laughs> so okay so wait so this does this yes yeah, so like right. logic puzzle okay when this is missing this on a tuesday then she lives in a red house <laughs> Okay, let me let me read it again. Vision without action is just a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. Action with or wait, vision with action can change the world. Okay. I I something reverberates in my head that I feel like coach said that at some point. Yes, that was a coach quote. Um, And this one was specifically like he was referencing like something from Winners at War, actually. He was like retweeting something. Yeah, but it was like super generic. He like retweeted it um, and it was like didn't make any sense because he like retweeted. What did he retweet? Like some random Survivor tweet that actually had nothing. It was like watch Survivor. And then he like retweeted it (laughs) with this comment. It was like, I'm sorry, what? Like That doesn't actually make any kind of sense. That's interesting. So he just brought up this like random trio of elements that sometimes work together or work against each other and then reference winners at war in the middle of it. I mean, it's going to change the world. It was vision with action. So therefore, we're going to change the world. All right, Mike, you have one final quote, and that is remember me and smile for it's better to forget than to remember me and cry. Hmm. I don't think Coach would say forget about me. I think he's, much like he quoted Pat Benatar, he's quoting Simple Minds and saying, don't you forget about me. I gotta say that's Dr. Seuss. That is correct. Yes, that was a Dr. Seuss quote. Well, congratulations, Mike. You have answered, I believe, seven correct, which, uh, I mean, that's a, you know, we're gonna talk about passing grades. I believe that one is a passing grade. 
Well, you know what they say, action without wisdom, but in addition to decision, but not on Thursdays, uh, and doesn't like anchovies on your pizza, makes for a good time. Divided by logic, yes. Uh, there was Okay, so there's one other quote that I want to mention, because I got real deep into Coach's Twitter before my browser crashed. I got up to, like, 2018, <laughs> all right? Your internet's like, Liana, I'm, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> this is for your own good, I promise. <laughs> Stop looking at this. Uh, but he actually tweeted a poem in response to Survivor. I can't remember what season, but it was like when Survivor was premiering because the end is Survivor is back on tonight. And he said, I have walked across the desert sand, a journey of drought and despair. But tonight my thirst will be quenched and life will no longer be bland because yes, what Survivor fans? Survivor is back on tonight, which I hope is not a rhyme scheme in any way. Because yeah, wait, none can, of that wait can you read this again? Because I I got very thrown off by the first four lines. <laughs> okay, I have walked across the desert sand, mm-hmm. a journey of drought and despair. So okay. sand and despair, not rhyming. But tonight, my thirst will be quenched, and life okay. will no longer be bland. Also not well, okay. Rhyme. Wait, okay, wait. He rhymed the first sand line with, with the bland. fourth with the fourth line. Okay, yeah, sand with bland. Rhymes are not sandwiches. <laughs> you just put it in the middle. Despair and quench. That's fine. Just, throw, just the throw the other words in the middle. As long as the first and the last ones rhyme, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Because uh, even then he says, because guess what, Survivor fans, which doesn't rhyme. Sand, sanda, sands, fans. No, I, I guess it sort of works. I know. Survivor is back on tonight, which doesn't rhyme with sand, despair, or quenched. <laughs> yeah, I think he just sort of went out of steam by the end of like, yeah, Survivor's on tonight. Yeah, it's fine. He like started writing it because the first part is like, oh, I've walked across the desert sand, you know, a journey mm-hmm. of drought and despair. He's probably like hoping to like fit another line in there. Like, okay, sand will eventually rhyme with something. Despair will eventually rhyme with something. Yeah, screw it. Well, I think even Coach's poem in the episode, it didn't rhyme, right? I don't, Or at least it like loosely rhymed. Oh, oh, I wrote it down. Okay. Oh, good. Okay, great. So let's 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 break this down. <laughs> With friend and foe, we march to the battle plain. Some seek success, others to seek fame. Okay, the, play, okay, this is good. It kind of rhymes. We play with honor for the love of the game. And with armor or without, we will toil in vain. So that someday, someone, somewhere will remember our name. So the the meter's a bit off in the last line, but I guess he's emphasizing the importance there. But man, he's much better when he's malnourished and, uh, you know, nearly on a stretcher with his back in terms of poetry than he is on Twitter, well-fed. Exactly. Plain, fame, game, vain, name. To me, rhyming dictionary, like, we agree, those rhyme. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of coach, there there is one more thing I wanted to read before we get into the next game here. Because, Liana, I found a coach's book, No Turning Back, colon, The South American Expedition of a Dragon Slayer. Uh, I found it on Amazon, and you can read the first chapter for free. Would you like me to read it? Yes, please. Okay, this is called The Pages of an Atlas. I'm just trying to check to make sure. Because, yeah, so, uh, oh, so this cover is delightful. Uh, So it's No Turning Back, but the back is uh, mirrored. There's another back facing in reverse next to the first back that's slightly faded away as if it's like a reflection in the water. Uh, This 
also uses about like five different fonts on it. And Wait, uh, in the actual like printed press version of this? the 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 cover of it. Oh, uh, the cover. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Dragon Slayer is in a different font that looks like it's from the, the medieval ages, but Benjamin Coach Wade is in a different font than that. He also added a three-time contestant on CBS's Survivor. I'm not sure if he uh, like added that after the fact or if mm-hmm. he uh, cause it's, oh, it's copyright 2011, so it looks like he uh, he maybe republished it because I remember this book. I thought he came out with this book for some reason before Survivor, but maybe he waited to to really push it out until after he uh, made his biggest splash. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's like when is the optimal time to release a book? I mean, I guess ask Boston Rob. There's also a very confusing thing where. The colors of it make it look like uh, one of those like old wrinkly pages like you get when you're like doing a school project about like colonial Williamsburg and you're like, oh, I want to write on paper that makes it look like the old times. But the cover looks like that. So for some reason, the cover looks like a page from the book. Wait, that doesn't make any sense when you want to make it seem like, you know, it's like the more sturdy, thick kind of deal, right? that's what that's what i'm thinking here i'm gonna people can uh check it out for themselves leon i'm gonna send this link to you uh to see if it if it links directly to it yeah i'm the, the cover alone it, it says a lot they say don't judge a book by its cover but i'm judging the hell out of this thing right now all right so so i'm looking at the image right now and yeah you you weren't lying but what's weird is that it's like it's the crumpled up page but then there clearly has to be a backing behind it right yeah. because you can't just have like a crumpled up page as the first uh the first page but this also doesn't even look like doesn't even look real like it still looks like a photoshopped version of what the book would be once it's made exactly like it looks like a mock-up that you would send to like the publisher of like this is what i'm thinking of and they said no 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 go with it it's fine okay sorry i'm looking at all the fonts yeah what would you say five one i I count i I probably count like at least three different ones yeah at least three or four um (laughs) okay yeah no turning back okay and then what are these pictures so it looks like I'm assuming these are pictures because this is about coaches, um, the the kayak expedition that he took. So I'm assuming these are pictures from that. Can we? But we can get a real. Okay, we can get a paperback version of this book for like seventeen bucks. Well, of course it, it's paperback. It looks like paper. <laughs> oh, and we can. Oh, customers who viewed this item can also view the Boston Rob rulebook. Oh God, is there a package <laughs> deal for them? <laughs> They're frequently bought together. <laughs> Who buys them both together? I don't know, but for $32, they could both be ours. Oh, my God. Well, my birthday is coming up. Just saying. All right. Yeah, well, let, me, right. let me give the, a read here to the first uh, chapter here called The Pages of an Atlas. <sighs> I have always been drawn to the ocean, transformed by its beauties, afraid of its powers changed by its pleasures and mesmerized by its mysteries. The massive bodies of water that surround us have a magnetic passion full of life and energy that defies logic. With the mind of its own, the ocean gives us a glimpse of its storied and well-told past. I have seen its raw power with churning surf and raging swells, destroying anything that dares defy it. So too have I experienced its calm beauty and splendor on a quiet night in a secluded cove, reflecting the moonlit sky waves pattering softly against the sandy shore. With all the focus today on man's progressive achievements, the ocean gives us an insight into how ruggedly beautiful is the hand of God. Some of my fondest memories as a child took place near the water. 
I remember one day many years ago was standing on top of a grassy sand dune on the coast of Florida with my brother Peter at my side. It was the spring of 1979. We stood holding hands, feeling proud of our new matching shorts and shirts. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> Looking out over the vast expanse of water that stretched before us as far as we could see. Wait, why was why did he not bring his brother with him as part of the family visit? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't I don't realize know. he had a brother. <laughs> Unless his huh. brother became part of the ocean. I mean, I don't know. Maybe his brother replaced him. They were wearing matching shirts and shorts. Ooh, maybe it's like a shining thing. Again, going back to red bra. <laughs> red, red bra, red bra. Our dad had taken us out of school for a week of vacation, which only added to the thrill and wonder and excitement of standing before such a creature. I sensed, even then, that the ocean carried with it a soul, a mind, and a personality of its own. Before us stood a living, breathing, powerful being. The pull was inevitable. The wind whispered in my ears, beckoning for me to partake of its challenges. The surf roared through my soul, daring me to ride its thunderous currents. I think he's in love with the ocean. I think so, too. Also, how long is his first chapter? It's, it's, it's uh, several pages, but I'll, I'll read the first couple of chapters and we'll see if we can find a cutoff point. Okay. Uh, I looked over at first at my brother and then my dad, who both seemed to be struck with the same sensations as I was. All in love with the ocean. All right, let me see if I can do some character voices here. Daddy, I said, what countries are there on the other side? I mean, if you took a boat and headed straight from there, where would you land? Actually... My father replied after Wait, a Wait, that was Coach? Yeah, that's, that's little Coach. Daddy? <laughs> what countries? <laughs> For some reason, I imagine him like five years old. <laughs> yeah, are they like kind of older? Wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, he did say how old he was here. I'm a baby. <laughs> oh, daddy. Daddy. We gotta go back. My dip, my dapple's full. Oh, the other side of the land. <laughs> Actually. My father replied after a moment of thought, we're not too far from Cuba. And once you get past Cuba, you can, all go, you can go all the way to South America. Colombia, probably. What? Dad knew the answers to everything. Are there sharks swimming around out there? <laughs> Where did he get that accent? That he was just a baby. <laughs> Gee whiz, Dad. We gotta sell the papes so Mr. Pulitzer doesn't take away our jobs. I got my cap here. <laughs> there sure are, but they won't bother you if you stay close to the shore. We talked for a while before Peter and I decided we'd play around in the surf. After we tired from swimming, we built a magnificent sandcastle. Its spires seemed to reach toward the deep blue sky. The late afternoon sun shone bright on the top of our new creation casting long shadows over our heads and toward the hotels. The beach was covered with seashells of all shapes and sizes, and I was amazed at the variety of treasures that flourished near the ocean. Already I was beginning to discover the rush of excitement that nature and the ocean had to differ. I would never forget the feelings of awe and excitement that filled my mind that day, the rumble of the waves and the cries of the seagulls. I'll stop right there. Uh, maybe this is the problem, Liana, is that Coach... Did not get to play near the ocean in Survivor Token Chains. 
I mean, yeah, I think that's clearly a problem. Obviously, you know, they're a little bit landlocked there. They didn't he didn't get to see his true love for the ocean um, that really could have helped him. Um, although in Heroes Villains, they weren't in the ocean. <laughs> so I don't know about that. Uh, although in South Pacific, obviously, that clearly had an effect. So I don't know. Jury's still out, perhaps. Yeah, well, I believe in Samoa they like weren't allowed to go into the ocean because of like uproarious tide or something. So maybe Coach was just like could not really harness the water as much as he wanted to. Maybe his father is Poseidon. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> Let's go through Greek mythology and place Coach. <laughs> Listen, where I belongs. know he would be loving that if we actually did that. Okay, all right. Hold on. Does does Poseidon have chill? I mean, obviously he's a Greek god. Um, like, of I, course, Poseidon. If, you, if if Percy Jackson is canon, then he does. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Especially like if he's going to be his baby version of Poseidon's <laughs> children. I don't, I'm not threatening. That is necessarily yeah, his baby newsy coach. <laughs> well, I like the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get over the newsy version. <laughs> gee whiz, pops. Well, God, golly, gee whiz. You're going to go to Santa Fe and see the Pacific? <laughs> it's a knee slapper. Come on, coachy. We're going to make it there one day. <laughs> what a disaster. Well, well, let's move on here to a coach-adjacent game from the great Felipe Shimon. He writes in, Hello, Jimble and Lee Borbor. <laughs> Since we all love Coach, and two of his defining characteristics are him being a maestro and a soccer coach, I thought of a game that incorporates Coach and his time in Brazil. It's pretty simple. Felipe is going to give the name of a Brazilian figure, and Liana, you have to guess if this is a soccer player's name or the name of a musician. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) How experienced are you in either? Uh, what's a level lower than weak? Because I would say that. A baby coach, I believe, is that level. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, this is going to be great because I was like trying to decide which. I actually think I probably know more Brazilian soccer players. (laughs) But um, yeah. Oh, man. If I only got about 50% of the questions on the previous quiz, (laughs) it's going to be a disaster. All right, let's start. So again, I'm going to read a name. It's either a Brazilian soccer player or a musician. Neymar. N-E-Y-M-A-R. Okay, that's a soccer player. That's correct. How did you know? Because I know, again, very little about soccer, but I know Neymar as a Brazilian soccer player. How about Tom Jobim? Are the musicians also Brazilian? I believe so. Uh, okay. Well, I am unfamiliar with this name, so I am going to go with a maestro. That is correct. Uh, it sounds, maybe I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation. It sounds a bit like, like a, like a Lord of the Rings character when you say it like Tom Jobim. <laughs> like Jimbly or Jimbo? Or, or uh, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of, of Tom Bombadil is probably what I'm thinking of most. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next one. Marta. Marta. That is, I believe, a character from Arrested Development. Um, is that an option? 
No, unfortunately, uh, girlfriends of Joe Bluth and future celebrity apprentice contestants are not uh, eligible as an option here. Okay, shocked. Okay. Uh, well, I have never heard this name, so I'm going to go with Maestro. I'm sorry. It is a soccer oh, player. No. Oh, no. Your okay, logic well, my... fell apart after two questions. <laughs> yeah, my strategy was like, if I know the name, then it's a soccer player. <laughs> if I don't know the name, it's a musician. I believe Uh-oh. it's pronounced okay. my strategy. Oh, that's right. That is my strategy. So, all right. Next one, Carlos Caetano. Last name C A E T A N O. I just want to apologize to every single Brazilian out there. Um, musician. I'm sorry to soccer player. He's better known as Dunga. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, you know no, Dunga. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. I don't know. Dunga might have been uh might have been on your list of random Brazilian soccer players. You know. Okay. Again, like Neymar is, I feel like the most famous Brazilian soccer player. Right. Yes. Know. No. Okay. Why are you no, asking I don't me? Know why I'm, I'm asking clearly you. not the audience for this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's okay. You know, I had a strong. You start. know, you it's know who's right. the most famous soccer player to me? Dunga. So there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Next one. Anita, spelled A-N-I-T-T-A. <laughs> I feel like... Okay, what have I said for the past... I feel like I've... Okay, you know what? We're gonna go... We're gonna go artist. Let's go maestro. That is correct. Yes. Eventually, it had to pay off. <laughs> exactly. It had to work eventually. Here's your next one. Caetano Veloso. Okay, so do I think that that sounds like a soccer player's name? I think that's like, or is this more a musician type? You know what? I'm going to change up my strategy. I'm going to go soccer player. It's a musician. Uh, that's what I meant. That's what I said. <laughs> Mike, you misheard me. I said. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> These faulty ears. I always think people are saying soccer player when they mean maestro. They sound very similar. They're very similar sounding words. All right, here's this next one. Ronaldinho. Oh, okay. Yes, I know Ronaldinho as a player, as a soccer player. Is he Brazilian, but would he be... Okay, soccer player, soccer player. What am I even saying? That is correct. Okay, I was just going to say, like, I know you're talking about Neymar. This is the one that I feel like, like, even I know Ronaldinho. I was like trying to like guess my way out of it for some weird reason of like he wouldn't put something in there that's that obvious. <laughs> and finally, Gilberto Gil. Uh okay. So let me try to think. Numer what have, what have we had the most of? Um <laughs> trying to think. Uh let's go with musician that's correct hooray and actually uh one of gilberto gill's uh frequent performing partners back in the day was number six caetano veloso oh oh my gosh it all comes full circle i think they look cute i'm looking at pictures of them they look very fun together uh well liana i think you did better in this game than actually you did in the other one blame your limited but uh working knowledge of brazilian soccer players I can't decide if I'm proud of myself or disappointed in myself for doing so poorly in the other game. Uh, But no, both of these games were so fun. 
It's always fun to test myself in things I theoretically should know everything about and then also know nothing about and do essentially the same, if not better, in the things I don't know anything about. So to finish things off here on the BNB, each and every week, of course, uh, we want to highlight a different cause in our charity corner. This is something that we actually uh, brought up in our Big Brother BNB, but we decided to bring it over here as well because it's an extremely important cause. Uh, Adele from BB Canada 2 has put out a GoFundMe to donate to the families of first responders who were lost in the tragic explosions in Lebanon last week. Uh, For those of you that don't know, a tragic series of explosions rocked Beirut to its core, resulting in thousands of casualties, including several people on the front line. What Adele has set up is a GoFundMe page where you can go and donate any amount of money you want to. He guarantees that any money made from this will go directly to the families of those who passed in the explosion. Uh, Adele himself is is very good friends with a firefighter who firsthand lost 10 of his colleagues. So you can understand just the, the wide spread of the tragedy that happened there. And our, of course, our hearts do go out to those who were affected uh, in Beirut by what happened. If you want to donate, uh, there, there's not really a short link that I can give. Just go into the show notes. There should be a direct link to the GoFundMe there. Right now, over $7,000 raised. And I know that we can do more to help these people who very, very much need our help in the wake of such a disaster. So please, if you can take the time, click the link in the show notes, fill this out. And again, our best and our, our, our very deepest sympathies to those that were affected by the explosions in Lebanon. And that's going to do it for this week on the B and B. We, we finished things up. We're starting to near the end here, Liana, we have one week left. And as we've announced beforehand, it's the finale of survivor Borneo. It is kind of unbelievable that now we're we're finally finishing this up because this has been such an incredible journey to go back and watch all of these fun episodes and to now go back and tie it in to the very first episode the premiere of Borneo that we talked about we're going to be closing out with the finale of Borneo I mean I I couldn't have asked for a better episode to discuss Yeah, I mean, this is and probably will always be Survivor's most watched episode. It had uh, 50 plus million people tuning in. I'm sure we can get into certainly at the time, you know, just how big things were between the fact that they had to film uh, separate endings with all four finalists so that uh, in case spoilers got leaked, people wouldn't necessarily know who won. Of course, with the finale, we get the first ever reunion hosted by Bryant Gumbel, which is not required viewing, but we can certainly dote on that like liana said it's a great way to go full circle in one of the biggest and most important episodes in survivor history between the first ever tie uh richard's big brazen move at the final three and of course the rats and snakes speech that took the nation by storm and led to the first ever survivor victor being crowned uh i i won't announce our guest right now because it's still tbd but i'm hoping if all things cold come through we're going to get a very very fun way to close this out i can't believe this thing is coming to an end either you know i i think from what i remember this this started you know only a couple of weeks after winners of war ended because of the 20th anniversary of the survivor premiere and it feels like the world and we have been through so much over the course of these 12 weeks but to think of it only as 12 weeks is pretty mystifying to me yeah it feels like 
uh, an entire year and yet a week at the same time? <laughs> like, yeah. what is the concept of time anymore? It doesn't help that we're also going covering like 20 years of Survivor too. You know, like we're not staying with one cast of characters. We just keep jumping around all the time. That does make us feel a bit displaced, especially in these times. But yeah, we're going to be back next week to finish off this rewatch series. Of course, as we sort of alluded to before, Leon and I are double dipping B&B for a couple of weeks here. We are doing the Big Brother 22 B&B where we are doing weekly fun and game segments there. This past week, we had Maggie Morgan on from the RHEP class of 2020. She was an absolute delight. We had a lot of fun breaking down week one of Big Brother 22 between uh, talking about intro packages through over the years, uh, getting a deep dive into one of the house guest rap career, trying to paint one of the characters that showed up in a recent competition as a possible serial killer. The limits are endless here on the B&B. So if you're a Big Brother fan, make sure to check that out, as well as what we have coming up in future weeks, because we'll be here for the long haul for BB22 as well. Liana, what else do you have going on? Right. So first, you can find me on Twitter at Liana R-H-A-P. Uh, I am talking about Canada's Drag Race, which is in full swing. Oh, my gosh. We're having so much fun. If you are a Drag Race fan and you are not watching Canada's Drag Race, get on it because it's been such a fantastic season just blowing Drag Race out of the water. And we are talking about Drag Race with new video podcasts. So if you're interested in looking at the loops. All the colors, Liana. Oh, my God. All the colors. Green, red, Feliz Navidad. Brown. We're doing them all. We're doing them all. Fully Toffee Dot is a color, or did you just insert that in there? That's what JT was talking about, I think. I mean, you did also ask before if twine was a color, so I'm not sure. (laughs) Add that to my list of, like, what do you call a group of baseball players? And also, do dogs have brothers? (laughs) Dogs have brothers. Is it to say I still my gosh. Anyway. Write that on your sticky notes, please, so we can refer to that later and have no idea what we what we were referencing. Yeah, only Jiffy Pop probes is the only one that's currently <laughs> surviving. Uh that and BB DJ uh before Big Dick Johnson, but that is oh, a big no. brother uh, reference. <laughs> the lost so, years. Right. Um anyway, so yeah, so definitely check that out. And I'm also was a guest uh on the 90 Day Fiance podcast with Puya talking about, of course, uh this week in 90 Day Fiance. You can always follow me at a Mike Bloomtai. Follow Liana as well at Liana RHAP. Uh, just finished recording Beyond Top Chef for this week, where we did a food show potluck, where we talked about everything from, you know, uh, very, you know, uh, Food Network shows that are 30, 30 seasons deep to like Hulu series that just debuted. So that was a very fun podcast. Of course, Tough as Nails is also reaching its home stretch. We had a great recap. Ooh with Phil Kogan of episode seven. Uh, We also are going down the hatch with Lost. We celebrated our one year birthday. Again, time is weird nowadays, especially for a show like Lost. Josh Wiggler and I celebrated our one year anniversary of Down the Hatch on 815 with a clip show that ended up being a lot of fun and also sometimes cringy, which also made it more fun. So be sure to check all that out. Of course, I'm doing Exit Press for Parade.com with Big Brother as well. And I also was a guest this week on a Kids Pod, which is a very fun podcast where I had a lovely group of children ask me questions about what it's like to be a podcaster. And I got to talk about that 
and uh, weird people out, hopefully not too much, with stories about how I ended up getting a survivor tattoo determined by a podcast, which... Also, if you haven't ordered yet, uh, there's a set of three temporary tattoos based around about available at robhasawebsite.com slash bloomtats with all proceeds going to, to to benefit direct relief. And so check that out. I know I'm going to cover myself with Sir Sweatington uh, in honor of the fact that he will not be permanently inked on my body. And make sure you're subscribed to all the other reality TV wrap up stuff going on. Liana, as mentioned, is on Canada's Drag Race. I guess it on 90 Day Fiance. The Bachelor is still going strong with its greatest seasons of all time clip shows. The one I really want to highlight this week is the Purple Pants podcast hosted by the fantastic Bryce Isaiah. He who recently unveiled the Zaddy calendar for 2021. Because again, though time is weird, uh, it still flows. And so will the Zaddies, apparently. But if you haven't checked out the Purple Pants podcast, it just celebrated its one year anniversary. It's a fantastic mixture of serious and silly and you know covering everything from a lot of the social justice initiatives going on to the zaniness of love after lockup and bryce is just a fantastic person and host whether he's by himself or bouncing ideas off of somebody else if you are in survivor withdrawal right now which might be you if you're actually listening to us prattle on about random survivor nonsense for the past hour and a half i think you're gonna like the purple pants podcast you have a year a backlog podcast to listen to. So chop, chop. But that's going to do it this well, week. Well, what Mike, I do want to say, and the Zaddy calendar is now out. So if you are thirsty in lockup or in a quarantine, uh, Bryce Isaiah, I think he was on with Rob, right, to talk oh, about yeah. the, uh, the Zaddy calendar. So if you're thirsting for some survivors, that is out as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we won't reveal exactly who's on what, but it's a nice... Uh, it goes international, nice old school, new school mix. Like, I don't know, Liana, one day, maybe if I'm if I'm truly plumbing the bottom of the barrel for content, I could do a zaddy brand steel, a brand zeal, if you will. Ooh, I would be very down for something like that. Uh, you know, I love me some zaddies. Exactly. So be sure to check out all the great stuff that Bryce is doing. If you have games, I know we only have one more Survivor podcast, but it's a big in. And if you have games, we want them. You can email them to us, rhapbnb at gmail.com. Special shout out, huge kudos to Felipe Shimon and Sarah from Sydney for sending in these fantastic games. And we only have one more week. It's sad. It's crazy to think this is all coming to the end. But I think we're going to have a really fun guest lined up next week and hopefully some very fun games as well to close out this wiggle through time, B&B rewind, whatever the heck you want to call it. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes and Will from America for his fantastic theme song that only rivals the great epic ballad that was playing during Coach's struggles during the immunity challenge in terms of just pure beauty. Leon and I will be back next week with a special guest to recap the season finale of Survivor Borneo. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Leona, yeah, they're playing some games. I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. That all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. Gotta pray to your mama that they're not super late. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. You can't say for free.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.